Americas. You. My voice is back. Can you tell? You're back, man. My voice is finally back. Back and better than so ever. So is Mauricio Pedrosa, Still the heavy here. hitter, and we need you today. If we Still ever here. needed you, today's the day, my man. How you? Well, doing? I want to think you always need me when Seb is not here, not just today. Who? You know, Seb, my friend, mi amigo. Sebastian. Oh, Rafa's dad. Yes. Yes, exactly. All right. Uh, full show, pack show as always. You owe me coffee right away. Club America bidding again. Tigres will go deep into some Mexican soccer, USL action. But uh, let's get right to it, shall we? Because big day regarding the U.S. Men's National Team, U.S. Soccer. U.S. Soccer concluded its investigation regarding a domestic violence incident involving former coach Greg Berhalter and his wife Rosalind back in 1992. The independent investigation concluded that both accurately portrayed the nature of the incident as well as its aftermath. Therefore, Greg Berhalter is free to be considered again for the U.S. men's national team manager job. Here we go. Some of the key findings of this investigation. Um, Daniel and Claudio Reina attempt to influence U.S. soccer officials' decisions related to their son Gio and threaten to publicly disclose Bearhalter's domestic violence incident. Need for U.S. soccer to revisit policies concerning appropriate parental conduct and communications. Bearhalter, as we said, is eligible to coach again. Complaints by Claudio Reina possibly violated FIFA rules and regulations since he served as an official while at Major League Soccer. What's your, what's your biggest outtake from this report? I guess my reaction is the found sadness and just humiliation of being part of U.S. soccer in this very moment. I mean, to piggyback off something that Sebastian Salazar said, the first time this happened, the first time we spoke about this incident. Back in January, yeah. A reflection of what we see at the grassroots level. Helicopter parents, overbearing parents trying to meddle and get into their children's sporting lives and influence outcomes, decisions, whatever the case may be. A played out novella for the world to see of two sets of best friends and how a game has torn them apart on a national level. And ultimately, the people affected. Rosalind um, Berhalter and her children. Um, the Reina children. Um, U.S. soccer, to some extent. Mm -hmm. it, it's embarrassing. I, I'm embarrassed to be part of this program. Number one, I would say, whenever there is a domestic violence incident, has to be thoroughly investigated, and I'm glad it happened this way. That's number one, because I think that's the most important matter of them all. But number two, to your point, the lack of professionalism at this level is concerning. This is supposed to be a professional entity that handles a big sport, that handles a lot of money, and with that comes a lot of responsibility. Everything we've read, the behavior of some of the people involved in the situation, completely unprofessional. And that is concerning because before this incident, and I'll speak as an outsider here, Claudio Reina, for us growing up in Mexico, it was one of the biggest names in U.S. soccer history. And to know that he and his wife had this kind of behavior because they felt their son was treated unfairly 
is concerning and it's disappointing. I think overall the whole situation is very disappointing. It's disappointing and we're going to get into it. But the moment this started with the hiring process of Greg Berhalter to the process of Gio Reyna being inserted into the U.S. Men's National Team, a player with a very high ceiling who I've said has probably had the highest ceiling of any player we've seen in a U.S. Men's National uniform. And what transpired all around, it's embarrassing, it's sad. I've already spoken about the reflection on, at the grassroots level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But mo- more than anything, and you just mentioned it, this is what the world gets to see of you. Yeah. You could say, hey, same thing happens in France. France has a World Cup to go with it. France has history to go with it. All they see right now is this clownish behavior coming out of your federation. All right. For more on this investigation, we now welcome ESPN senior writer Jeff Carlisle. Jeff, always good to talk to you. Thank you for joining us. Let me, let me start with this. What kind of repercussions do you expect for Greg Berhalter and the Reynas after reading this report? Well, in terms of Greg Berhalter, I don't know if you would call it a repercussion, but it does kind of clear the runway, if you will, for him to work again. Um, now, whether that happens with U.S. soccer is, is still to be determined. I don't think that that will happen. Um, I, I think there are several reasons why U.S. soccer won't bring Greg Berhalter back. I think four years is enough in terms of a, a tenure for a national team coach. Um, there's the challenge of trying to win back the locker room after divulging that, that Gio Reyna was almost sent home. And then I think, you know, and you alluded to it earlier, Amal, the domestic violence incident, yes, it was investigated. Yes, uh, the participants involved, you know, Greg Berhalter and Rosalind, they obviously reconciled, forgave each other, got married, had a family, all of those things. Um, but that's I think that's still going to hang yeah. over the Federation a little bit, especially given the way they have not investigated or taken seriously issues of abuse in the past. So I think it's just easier for the U.S. Soccer Federation to say, hey, this four-year contract ran its course. Now we're going to move on. Um, that said, I, I do think Greg Berhalter will work again. Um, I, and I think, you know, if Rosalind Berhalter is willing to forgive him and if Greg Berhalter took all these steps to try to make things right, then I, I think, you know, he should be allowed to work again. Um, whether that happens overseas and he's able to kind of get some distance from the whole U.S. soccer landscape, that would probably work best for him. But I could certainly see him uh, getting another job in Major League Soccer. Um, you know, we'll see. You know, obviously, he's very tight with Anthony Precourt in Austin. Uh, the two work together in uh, in Columbus. And so, you know, he's got those those kinds of relationships to fall back on. In terms of the Reynas, um, you know, I've kind of shifted my perspective a little bit on this. Mm. I, you know, originally I did not think that there would be much blowback on Claudio Reyna, but as more and more details have kind of come out, and you know, we're we're privy to to what was said, what was texted, what what the emails said, uh, it's just not a good look at all for for either Claudio Reyna or Danielle Reyna, and I think it's going to be extremely difficult for Claudio Reyna to have any kind of front-facing, public-facing kind of position uh, in in North American soccer. Um, You know, forever's a long time. You know, who knows? Maybe after some years pass, you know, uh, someone in in an organization within MLS or elsewhere will see fit to forgive Reyna for what he's done or at least uh, take him at at, at face value in terms of moving on from it. Um, But I think that's going to be really tough. It's hard for me to see Claudio Reyna 
taking a high-level senior position in soccer again. But again, we'll, we'll see how this plays out as the years go on. I will start with Claudio Reyna. I echo what Jeff is saying here. Uh, an unnamed U.S. soccer employee, per the report, characterized Mr. Reyna as historical, historical outreach as inappropriate, bullying, and mean-spirited. This isn't the first incident for Claudio Reyna with U.S. soccer. You can go back to Gio Reyna's youth years in the U-20 level, U-17 level, etc. And he has a history of this. I don't know how he survives this in the immediate future to work again. At this moment, he's a technical advisor for Austin. I believe he's still on the Austin payroll. They took him out of the limelight because they were expecting some blowback. I think this will take him out of the picture for good. Don't expect him in that payroll uh, going forward. As far as Greg Berhalter, I empathize with making mistakes. Um, domestic battery is nothing to, to sneeze at. So domestic abuse, uh, you have to take that seriously. Um, but there's too much water under the bridge right now. Too much water when it comes to sponsors. Too much water when it comes to the team and how you affected it. The locker room trusting you again. You were the one who went to a symposium. It gave a conference on leadership and then pretty much outed Gio Reyna without naming him, but people connected the dots and it was Gio Reyna. And also for sporting reasons. I, I never thought Greg Berhalter was the correct person for the job to lead him post the 2022 World Cup. If you're trying to tell me beating Iran in the World Cup, one win in the World Cup, a third place finish in World Cup qualifying with the best collective group of Americans you've had on paper and two finals that you won in one summer against the worst Mexican national team that I've seen in my generation, in my, in my lifetime, I don't think that's enough to lead the U.S. men's national team in a 2026 World Cup, which debatably is the biggest sporting moment in this program's history. I don't think that's enough. Yeah, I believe uh, what you guys just said, probably the healthiest thing for all parties is for Greg Berhalter. He has to go back to work, to go back to work somewhere else. I just do not see how Claudio Reyna can still be a part of this sport in this country after what we all found out through this report. Now, Sticking to Greg Berhalter, Jeff, because we read it on the report not only once, several times. It's, it's, it's been kind of implied that regardless, he's still a candidate for the job of the U.S. men's national team manager. Why? Well, I think this is a situation where the USSF president, Cindy Parlo Cohn, and the CEO, J.T. Batson, they, they've made it very clear that they're going to hire the sporting director first. That, that's going to happen. They're hoping that it happens before the Women's World Cup in July. And I think it's a situation where they don't want to back the new sporting director into a corner. They don't want to start dictating before he's even hired or she's hired, um, you know, okay, who's available, who's not. I think they, they really want to, to give the new sporting director a clean slate in terms of who they hire. And so they're not about to say, you know, start dictating, you know, who's on the list and who isn't. Um, I also think there might be some legal ramifications as well. Um, you know, they, they don't want to say anything that, that's going to, to uh, give Greg Berhalter a reason to come after them. Um, I mean, up to, up to now, I would say, in terms of this particular incident, um, the USSF has done things the right way. Ernie Stewart, the moment he heard about these allegations, reported it to yeah. in-house counsel. Then they uh, commissioned the independent or the outside law firm to investigate. They did that. They reported their findings. I think at each step, 
the USSF has done the right things. And so I don't think they want to jeopardize that by saying, oh, by the way, you know, we, we can't hire Greg Berhalter. Um, that, that might end up being the opinion of the new sporting director. But again, they don't want to back themselves into a corner and say, you have to do this or you have to do that. Yeah, I, I believe this is US soccer kind of washing their hands of this, like, let the sporting director decide, even though seriously, Greg Berhalter may, may not even be a candidate for the sporting director. I don't know the legalities of it. I'm not going to presume to know law, international law, or what's going on in this specific moment. And if Greg Berhalter has any legal uh, case against U.S. soccer or the Reinas themselves, mm. I won't presume that. But it does seem like U.S. soccer is doing everything they can to just smooth the situation and let the sporting director handle it. Yeah, I think it's pretty pretty clear that's the case. Now, speaking of the Reynas, and those are the legal ramifications, right, that we've been trying to get into in the in this last two questions. But what about, Jeff, regarding backlash? How do you envision the backlash is going to look like for the Reynas uh, in the near future or in the long term as well? I mean, I think the backlash is pretty intense. Um, I think there's just general disbelief that they would engage in this kind of behavior. Um, I mean, Gio Reyna, his talent has been recognized since he was a youngster. Um, you know, whether it was in his earliest youth soccer days, whether it was when he was with NYCFC, Borussia Dortmund, and so on. Um, and it's just, and I myself am just stunned that they would they would go to these lengths uh, to, to clear the path for a kid who whose talent I think alone would, would have gotten him to where he is now, um, and it's 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 stunning in another way too. In that I mean, Claudio Reyna as a player, he was the epitome of calm on the field. I mean, I remember Ernie Stewart saying that that Claudio Reyna brought peace to the game. He was always kind of a calming influence. And whenever I talked to him in a sporting director's role, he, he kind of projected that that same aura. He, he was kind of the the objective you know, stage uncle who's always going to give you good advice. And so to see him engage in this kind of behavior is just stunning because they didn't need to do it. And so, uh, you know, I think the the backlash initially is that I, I think Perk uh, is right. I mean, I don't, I don't see Claudio Reyna jumping back into a, a leadership position of a, of a team in North America anytime soon. Um, We'll see, you know, how long that lasts or and if that lasts, you know, for, for the rest of his professional career, um, you know, in, in terms of Danielle Reyna, I mean, she's always going to be remembered as someone who sabotaged a lifelong friendship because of, of how her kid was being treated. And, and, and rather than try to deal with that, uh, you know, with the Burhalters face to face, um, she took this this. Uh, well, it's not an allegation. I mean, it actually happened, but she took this incident. Uh, to U.S. soccer, and uh, you know, in the end, they kind of got what they wanted in terms of uh, Greg Berhalter's future with the USSF. At least that's my opinion of it. Uh, but I think they've done a lot of damage to themselves, and I think that's what people are going to remember. So, this is what I would like for people to remember: is how it can enact change. Um, they're going to revisit policies, revise policies, change policies, U.S. soccer, of what's going forward. Because in 2019, I have to remind you, Claudio Reyna interviewed for the GM role on the U.S. men's national team. In his interview process, in that panel was Jay Berhalter, a CCO of USSF, of the Federation, Greg Berhalter's brother. In that interview, he named Greg Berhalter as a top candidate for the U.S. men's national coaching job if he were 
to get the general manager position. So now you have Claudio Reyna and Jay Berhalter that knew of this incident and didn't report it or wouldn't say anything to U.S. soccer, conflict of interest. And what we know about this from the um, investigation is that maybe they wouldn't get in trouble within the Federation, but they could be, or Claudio could be in trouble within FIFA for its code of ethics. There is a statute of limitations for that code of ethics with FIFA, which is five years, so that probably won't be the case. But you should not, that should not be lost upon us. So hopefully it's not just a backlash, but there is some actual change that comes with it. To, to wrap it up, there's another quote that we have ready uh, that probably paints a brighter picture of how we just don't know inside out how things are really going on. This is another quote by Claudio Reyna on female referee. And in all honest, can we get real and have male refs for a game like this? It's embarrassing, guys. What are we trying to prove? A game like this deserves better attention. Uh, Jeff, when you read this quote, what went through your mind? I mean, it's just an incredibly sexist thing to say. And, and just, I mean, why even go there? I mean, you know, let's, let's face it. I mean, female referees, deservedly so, have been making more and more inroads into the game at the highest levels. They're there because of their ability. They're there because of their consistency in, in, in how they call games. Uh, they're there on merit. And so for Claudio Reyna to imply otherwise, it's just, it just seems detached from reality. Um, and, but again, when you, when you combine that with, with all these other comments that he made, uh, whether it was to Brian McBride or to Ernie Stewart, mm -hmm. you know, saying I'm, I'm done with you guys after the world cup, you know, it's, it's, it's a joke. Um, maybe, maybe we shouldn't be surprised. You know, maybe I shouldn't be surprised that, that he would say something like that, that again, is just so, uh, beyond the pale and, 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 and just doesn't represent the facts. Uh, clearly, it's not the end. Uh, Claudio Reyna, his wife, did not participate. We're not part of the investigation. Uh, we're still waiting to Daniel hear was. Him. Claudio was. Daniel Class. You're right. Daniel was. Claudio wasn't. Uh, Jeff, as always, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, guys. Anytime. Now, an hour ago, Greg Berhalter, via the Washington Post, had this quote. First and foremost, Rosalind and I have respect for the process U.S. soccer had to go through. We are grateful that it's concluded and we look forward to what's next. Yes. Now, a source said that Greg Holder will be looking at options, whether at the States or somewhere else. He was spotted, Eric, at Craven Cottage on Sunday for Fulham Arsenal. Yeah. You can see him there, very random thing. There are a few American players. We don't Dang. know. If was he being scored out or something? Scouting. <laughs> All right, let's go to the highlights. This was going to be an interesting one. Fulham, they have done really well. 15 minutes, and Anthony Robinson, Team Ream, also started on goal. Will be checked by VAR, and VAR says no goal. Offside. Uh, saved right there from an own goal. Own golazo. 21st minute, corner for Arsenal. And there he is, Gabriel Magalhaes. Yeah. Bad defending? Well, production wants to highlight the two Americans. It's just strange on that one, but okay. We'll take it. They took a goal scored against them. That was Juan Gabriel. This is another Gabriel. This is Gabriel Martinelli with the header on top of Robinson. What do you have to say about this one? Well, I don't have to say anything. It's 
bad defending. Bad he defense. turned his back on the yeah. player. You can't it's, do that. It's How many eight. Gabriels are there, by the way? And, Gabriel and, Jesus? Oh, and Gabriel, Gabriel Jesus is also about to come back from a lengthy injury. 46 minutes. What a player, man. All they got. Great control, even better finish. It was 3 0 yeah, it's for not Arsenal. The, it's not the first time we've seen problems with weak side defending for Anthony Robinson. That goal that the Netherlands scored in the World Cup, uh, evidence of that as well. 90 minutes for both Americans. Let's uh, run it back. Kevin Paredes subbed in at the 82nd minute. Two minutes later, delivered the game tying assist for Wolfsburg. Oh, oh! Look at that golazo. That's how I hit it when I came. You really got else. excited for that assist, by the way. I did. By the way, those <laughs> uniforms are slick. Shout out to Kevin Paredes and Wolfsburg. They actually sent you and I a message. We're going to have to put that one out soon. All right. Looking forward to that. Coming on Carter Vickers. 90 minutes and a score for Celtic. Quarterfinals of the Scottish Cup. I'm going to be honest. I did not have Cameron Carter Vickers absolutely tearing it up with Celtic being so important for He's that club so a leader importance so doing well bigger and better things to be on the horizon some big players have come out of this club yeah. so good and great header by the center back Virgil van Dijk being one of them right on Haji Wright back in the starting lineup after his injury and a brace for Antalya Sport, 12th goal of the season in just 18 games played. It looks very easy, a simple finish. It is not reaction finish. Watch it. This is the best highlight for me right here. Do him, Haji. Do him. It's the assist, not the oh, golazo. Wow. Just turned him inside out. Look at this. Takes him inside, then outside. Turns him completely on his back. Has him on skates. Nice little finish for the assist. But there's one more, Mal. And then the header from long distance. Yeah, it's not that easy. That was easy. good location. It's not easy to generate that type of power off a of header from that distance, Mal. You said it very I well. I mean, how would I know? <laughs> Snap better. You should know. <laughs> yes, it's not easy at all. And Haji <laughs> Wright powerful, man. Makes, it look very, <laughs> makes it look very, very easy. That's a strong dude, Haji Wright. All right, so Nations League's coming up. Yes. So the, the U.S. men's national team roster will be announced later this week. And so no... No formal manager, still interim manager. Decision will be will be made in the summer, most likely. Well, sporting director first, and then sporting yes. director first, right on. So we have questions for you, okay, regarding the roster for this two matches, Concacaf Nations League. Number one, will Gio Reyna be part of the Nations League roster? Yes, this this shouldn't even be a question. It, it's a fireable offense if he's not. Now, I understand, given the context of everything that's happened, with the report coming out and his parents, the way they look, those are the Reynas. That is Danielle and Claudio Reyna. This is not Gio Reyna. Gio Reyna is a 20-year-old who made a mistake. He still happens to be, by that way, the U.S. men's national team player with the highest ceiling of any player I've seen for quite some time. One of your best players that you have in the program. You don't ostracize this kid for the rest of his life for something his parents did. Gio Reyna right now is a talented player and the U.S. Men's National don't have the luxury of excluding talented players. Anthony Hudson goes to visit him in Dortmund for a reason. You can say, manager. Yeah. You can say, why is he visiting him? Is he an interim manager? Whatever. Somebody needs to check on the kid, see where Fine. he was at, to let him um, know that what your parents did is what your parents did. That is not you. You have, a, you have right now an opportunity to change the perception of you in that World Cup. 
He's a very talented player, and I firmly expect him on that roster. So, games against Granada and El Salvador, right? So it's not you're not you're not playing for pretty much well, anything. How do they do against El Salvador and work up qualifying? Fine, but I mean. You're playing for Copa America spot. I mean, again, so the, not the most crucial games in U.S. soccer history. Aren't you a little concerned with recent news and the report that we just talked about with Jeff Carlisle that the way the locker room will welcome Gio Reyna, it's not going to be an easy conversation, an easy situation. You being part of locker rooms like that. How do you think who should be in charge? Who should be the leader? Should there be a conversation? Or do you just act like nothing happens, just another player, let's go back, train, and play, and that's it? How do you handle that? You know what players want? They want to win. And Gio Reyna is a player that could help them win. Winning cures all. That is a reality. When Gio Reyna was scoring goals for Richard Dortmund, guess how many people were talking about the Reynas and their terrible, despicable attitude? Everybody's talking about Gio Reyna. But, Kirk, if you're a veteran player, right? If you're a veteran player, would oh, yeah. you demand if, something if from Gio if, Reyna? If you're Tim Howard, if you're Clint Dempsey, wait, where, where are they? No, this group right this group, now, this group, this group yeah. right now needs Gio Reyna. This group fixed or found a solution at the World Cup and per everything we heard from them, moved on from it. The only ones who did not move on from the situation were the adults in the room. That's how sad this is. Mm -hmm. Everybody else... This young generation of kids, these 20-year-olds, moved on from the situation. The only ones who did not were the adults in the room. Gio Reyna is a talented player, and I guarantee you this won't be the first time he made, or that he's made a mistake or that he will make a mistake. He's 20 years old. Yep. If how you were at 20 years old is the same person you stay today, if that's how people I are, mean, we're I'll all in okay trouble. We're I'll all be, in trouble. Okay so Giovanni Reyna right now, only has to deal with himself. How Giovanni, excuse me, how Giovanni Reyna handles himself. He can't worry about what other players think. And player, by the way, players, if you're going into that locker room and you're holding anything against Giovanni Reyna because of his parents, you don't understand what the sport's about. You're there to win. It's not the first time that a collection of players have been somewhere and maybe uncomfortable with it. Okay. And life goes on. And it won't be the last. Let me ask you this. Do you believe this locker room, I mean, whatever the roster looks like in the end, is mature enough Big enough, veteran enough to handle that situation because you are a veteran dude, right? Let I mean, me you would be the veteran player, but and, 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 and I agree with you. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying you're no, right. No, but my wrong. concern is, is that locker room as mature as you have just exposed the locker room needs to be to welcome Gio Reyna? They've already proven it. They were the adults in the room when everybody wanted to kick Weston McKinney off the team. Mm -hmm. They were the adults in the room in the World Cup when they were about to send him home, or when the Reynas went off the rails. They were the adults in the room saying how they disapproved with Greg Berhalter for saying what he did at the symposium. Yeah. They've been the adults in the room this whole time. So, yes, I have faith in that locker room. Yeah, he's so talented, and they should handle the situation whatever way they need to do it. Question number two. All right, here we go. Which World Cup snub will be back on Nations League rosters. Zach Steffen, Jordan Pifok, or Choo Choo, Ricardo Pepe. This is a good one. Uh, All right, I'm taking multiple choices, my man. No, 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 you can only pick one. No, well, I'm, just pick one. I think it's actually harder if you pick two. All right. Uh, let's, 
First one, all right, go with Ricardo Pepe because that's the obvious That's one. obvious, of that, That's obvious. Ricardo Pepe's got 13 goals in all competitions. My man is on fire. Yeah. Nine goals, three assists in league play. The lone bright spot for Gronigan. They're in relegation zone right now at this moment. He's three goals behind Xavi Simmons, who's the golden boot leader in the Eredivisie. Uh, he's going to be there. He's proven that that should have never happened. Mm -hmm. He should have been at the World Cup. This man will be there. He's in form. Number two. Time out, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. Who are you taking out then? What do you mean? If, you, if you're calling up Ricardo Pepe, that means someone has to go. Someone who was a part of the World Cup has to go. Who are you Who are you taking out of that I, list? Haji Wright's off the list right okay. now. He just started scoring again. I think Haji Wright okay. is the odd man out here. Uh, Josh Sargent is, is still your most talented player. Let me let me go to to the second one. It's not going to be Jordan Pifak. Jordan Pifak, he, he's, he's lost that form he's lost that rhythm he's lost that groove he needs to find it because he's of that he's he's a goal scorer he will find it it's Zach Steffen now mm. I know what you're thinking here it was Greg Berhalter Zach Steffen was a Greg Berhalter man he was of his confidence had him in Columbus brought him into the national team fold made him his number one Matt Turner was on this very show and when we asked him about the choice the tough decisions that Greg Berhalter had he made it very clear to us hey the difficult games, the marquee games, Mexico, uh, home and away, uh, Canada at home, Costa Rica, those games, they went to Zach Steffen. He understood his role there. So, Greg Even though he wasn't playing before the World Cup, had made, made a very difficult decision. I'm not taking Zach Steffen. The big reason, in his mind, he wanted to show Matt Turner, this is your job and it's just you. That ain't the case anymore. Greg Berhalter's out of the picture for the time being. He may not come back. All, all signs and uh, roads point to him not being the next uh, national team manager. And Anthony Hudson's in charge right now. He's got eight clean sheets right now in the championship. Uh, in the last eight games, he's only uh, led in five goals. He's coming into his zone, playing for a very good coach. And I think he's got that chip on his shoulder. And if you're trying to tell me Zach Steffen at this stage of his life is done with the U.S. Men's National Team, I don't buy it. I think it's another one that you're going to see come back. I think there's room for both of them, of course. Uh, and the situation is just different. Zach Steffen, been the backup keeper at Man City, yeah. not saying minutes, even though was it you who said that backup keepers, it's okay if they don't play, they can actually perform right. in the national team. Yeah. I think it helps. Well, Matt Turner was a backup keeper. Right, right. No, yeah. but I mean, but Matt, Matt Turner now is the backup at Arsenal. Well, he was playing cups, the World Cup. playing cups, playing cups. Now I think if both of them are playing, I think Zach Steffen earned the right to be back on the roster. Right. I think Sean, he's in. And, Sean Johnson. And I'm not uh, saying he's going to start. I'm not saying he's going to start, but he has the right to compete well, well, for his spot. Well, let's look at it really quickly. You can say Ethan Horvat. Okay, make him your number two or number three, however you want to go. Uh, Sean Johnson is probably not going to be in the picture anymore um, because of age. Gaga Slonina, he's not playing first team football. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So all. all Signs point that it has to be Zach Steffen, and he's going to get that redemption shot. It's what he does with it. All right, question number three. I like this one. Will we, will we see a dual national on the roster? There <laughs> you have the options. Yes, you will see a dual nat on the roster. Um, I fully expect Alejandro Sendejas to be yep. a player called in. Alejandro Sendejas, who's a very interesting prospect. Most player, most people, I should say, see this player as a winger. Back from injury. Coming back from injury, he's already back with Club America. At Club America, he plays as a winger on the right-hand side, cutting in the left hand um, or left foot. If you will, that very cultured uh, and majestic left uh, foot. 
He's a player that when he played in Nicaxa, he played in as a dual six or as an eight. He's better as a box-to-box -box midfielder. I think that's going to be his position going forward with the U.S. men's national team. He's a player that I fully expect to be on that roster. He still has not committed. Um, we're going to have to wait and see. Reports have indicated that, that it may be already a done decision. But I don't think that is the only connection we see. Now, I say connection because if you're U.S. soccer, you do everything you can to bring Balogun into the program. Folarin Balogun is an exceptional player, an exceptional talent, who's having a career year, and he's like 22 years of age. He's scoring at the highest of levels in France. Uh, he's chasing the likes of Jonathan David and Kylian Mbappe for the Golden Boots. He's a player that fits into the system on many different levels, very good with his movement, very fast, good right foot, good left foot, a good sense in or around the box. Do whatever you can to entice him to come into this program. I fully expect there to be conversations and maybe even him on a list. I don't know if he accepts or if he is part of this. Uh, I wouldn't until I know where the chips fall. Until right, I of know course. The, of course. Coaches, that's players, that's the main thing. I mean, situation. Ex exactly. And, and, and that's, I think that's it's a different, completely different situation with Alejandro Sendejas. I mean, reports even out of Mexico, he already made up his mind. He's going to play for the U.S. It's not that he has to commit. He, If he wants to play for Mexico, he has to decommit from the U.S. to play for Mexico. Switch, yes. Right? Exactly. So, And he hasn't done it. Uh, so it's, that's it's also the way that everything happened. You know very well. Correct. Like, the Federation really botched this. Oh, yeah. 100%. They had a shot. They had a shot. They had, they had a shot. Track. They tried making him sign. Thank you, Tata Martino. Another one. For the national team, <laughs> right before he gets on to the team bus with Club America to play a playoff yeah, game without bad. legal advisement, without any, they tried manipulating the situation. They botched this, and uh, well, remains to be seen. But he needs to commit. But this is this is a good player in that eight position for him. Real quick, Brandon Vasquez, Jonathan Gomez, in the mix. I mean, Brandon Vasquez is a, a unique skill set, size, speed. Uh, very silky feet, combines very well. And Jonathan Gomez is a position of need. I know we saw Kevin Paredes and Caleb Wiley doing their thing this week, but that left-back position behind Anthony Robinson is wide open, so yes. All right, let's run it back. Uh, speaking of one of them, Fodarin Balogun, game winner. 51st minute, playing at Monaco. A little help from the keeper. Uh, a little still help. a very good run, very good run. He tried his shot, he took his shot. Probably too strong for the keeper, couldn't take it. That was the game winner for the Stade Humps. 21 years old, 16th of the season, two assists to go with it, the youngest of the top three in the goal-scoring race, the gun. Back on the score sheet after three games. The yeah. Uh, there's no stopping Jonathan David as of now. A hat-trick and a thriller big match against Olympique Lyon. Eight goals in the last six games for the Canadian. <laughs> 19 league goals, four assists. That's 21 total with his two in cup. Somebody save this man from French football. Somebody take him. Big club, big team. Yeah. Atletico, you want any of this? You want some of this? Atletico de San Luis? No, no, that's Ah, sorry. Sorry, got excited for a second. Uh, that was a big mano a mano with Alexander Lacassette in a crucial, crucial game uh, for Lille and Olympique Lyon. Jonathan David delivering. Ice cold veins. He takes PKs? He takes penalty kicks? Yeah, it's good. Oh, it's good. Not, not for Canada, the producer said. All right, Golden Boot race in France. 
still led by Kylian Mbappe. 23 games, 19 goals, and Jonathan David look at the with the hat trick. He's just look, there. Look at look at J Dubs. Look at J Dubs in the gun with those names. Yeah, but there there you go. Come, come and get some. Folari Balagon, mano a mano with Alexander Lacassette. All right, staying with U.S. soccer, another name added to the conversation regarding the post of general manager for sporting director for U.S. soccer, Nashville general manager Mike Jacobs actually took the interview but has withdrawn his name for consideration for the job. That just adds another name who was offered the job, has decided to stay put. He recently signed a contract extension with Nashville last year. Again, took the interview, but said, thank you, but not thank you. So let me ask you this, something, nothing, or everything, Mike Jacobs turning, out, turning down the job. It's something. It, it can't be everything because we're only finding out about the candidates who have either turned down the job or weren't interested enough to even interview for the job. There could be a good mix of candidates, qualified candidates that have interviewed and they're in the process. So it can't be everything, right? But it's definitely something because it's another candidate who's turning down this job. Two of them wouldn't even get out of bed to interview for the job. Vermees and Tanner. One of them, yes. Peter Vermees, the Sporting Kansas City general manager and head coach, and Ernst Tanner, uh, the Philly Union, um, their sporting director. So why isn't this job attractive enough that now yet another name is coming into the mix? And, and why is it that if we include also Nguchi, uh, Gucci Aweyu, Anguayu, excuse me, um, those are all American-based candidates. So, so that's got to tell you something right there. We've not heard of a foreign candidate uh, coming mm. from outside of U.S. soccer in some way, shape, or form, and its umbrella, Major League Soccer, of not being interested or interested in this job. So, yes, it is something because it's 800K that the job makes per a fiscal report of Ernie Stewart last year. Why aren't they excited enough for this yeah. job? And if they're not excited enough for this job, how would the top candidates get excited for this job? So it, it is something upon So it, to me, it's still something, but it's inching closer fast to everything. Because if you work in soccer, if you're part of the industry, this should be one of the top jobs. And it is open. It, is one of, it should be one of the biggest openings if you are a part of this industry. So the fact that not... One, but now that we know, by the way, that we know three names have turned down the job, two of them without even taking the interview, right? What does it, what, what does it say about the situation? Because when we discussed Peter Vermeer's specific case, I asked you the question. This could be for personal reasons, right? I like where I'm at right now. I don't want to move. I like my job. Or professional reasons knowing who you would be dealing with, who you would report to. Or what you could do. Or what you could do. So, yeah, still something, but in, in it's all, getting closer to everything. In, in all honesty, Peter Vermeer probably wakes, makes uh, well above that 800K um, sporting director and, and head coach of a very successful club. He was in charge of that rebrand and everything they've done there at Sporting Kansas City. But still, you have to ask yourself, like, why isn't it as enticing yeah. For these I candidates. I don't get it. And it's, a, again, should be a big opening. Uh, more action of the championship in England. You get to see Zach Steffen playing for Middlesbrough on Tuesday, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on ESPN+. Can he Plus. do it on a cold night in Stoke? <laughs> <laughs>
Well, he's going to play at home, so uh, okay. he should be all right. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. You owe me coffee, dude. America, again, went to El Volcan, your former house. This is Diego Linus playing now for Tigres. And this is a good cross. And this is Bigong, the control, and Emilio Lara with the save. And then, what happened to Cordova? Yeah, deflected, deflected cross, uh, and then saved off the line. This header right here off the crossbar. Nahuel Guzman was beaten. Cabecita Rodriguez with a nice little flick header. Yeah, first warning by Cabecita Rodriguez, by the way. Again, Diego Lainez getting the chances to start against his former team. Santiago Baños watching from the box. That was a good save from Malagón, who was the starter for Club America. We had this discussion. And now, Cabecita Rodriguez. Goes to the far post, America leading after 31 minutes. Yeah, and this would be the play of the game for multiple reasons. And then, well, in transition, Club America, you need to be mindful of two-on-one. They're not going to botch this. Very simple, Diego Valdez, and just right back to, it's just too easy. Leo Suarez with yes. the finish. That's exactly how you draw a counter-attack. 82nd minute. Another chance now by El Diente Lopez. Goes wide. America will have this amazing, beautiful buildup. But the shot is saved by El Paton Guzman. It's not looking great for Tigres. America gets the W away 2-0. Now America with their longest active winning streak against one specific opponent, that being Tigres. And they have won nine out of the last ten. In all competitions, it's not a Clásico. It's a paternidad. Yeah, in regular season, absolutely. <laughs> you all right. Uh, but now let's talk Tigres for just one second. When we were previewing the game on Thursday, right. I said, I, I, I love the roster. The roster by Tigres is, is, is amazing, right? Diego Coca left after just a few games to take over the national team. Chima Ruiz, legend of the club, great player takes over as interim manager, but it's not looking good. One win in the last four games, barely scoring. What do you do? They have to face Orlando for CONCACAF Champions League and then El Clásico Regio against the best team in Liga MX. Do you think he survives this week? No, not looking good. He needs to beat Orlando and manage a result versus Rayados. Listen, this team is not playing well. The last six games, they've only won... 
twice, only scored three goals. Uh, in those games where they've not scored goals, San Luis, Juarez, Chivas, they scored a penalty kick. Orlando, they couldn't score. America, a lot of home games where they're not doing well. And you could say, well, that's on the players. The players are the ones who play. This is a very, very difficult locker room to be in charge of. A lot of ego, a lot of high-profile players, and you could pin a lot of the stuff that's been going on on Chima Ruiz. We're going to talk about Diego Linus in a sec. Diego Linus was very active the first yeah. 20, 25 minutes of the uh, of the game. He was on playing the left with a chip on his shoulder. On the left-hand side of the field, Chima Ruiz moves him to the right-hand side of the field shortly after the Cabecita goal. And everything falls apart for Diego Linus and for Tigres. No longer are they attacking with the same frequency. No longer are they. Uh, no longer do they have that punch. This is a team that should not only have three goals in the last six games. This is a team that boasts the last three Golden Boot winners in Liga MX: Nico Ibanez, Andre Pierre Gignac, and Nico Lopez. There's a lot of firepower here. Not only that, Quinones, one of the assist leaders in Liga MX. You have. Um, Players like Guido Pizarro, who are legends of the club, who can score goals. Carioca. You have Carioca. You've got so many high-profile yeah. players. They are getting by off talent alone and not with what the coach is helping them do. That's exactly what I was going to say. Big-profile teams, big-profile rosters need big-profile managers. And that is just the case for Tigres. This is nothing against Chima Ruiz. But maybe he's just not ready for that yet. And we've seen it with several young Mexican managers they get the shot but probably they're not ready for it even though he knows the club up and down he's been a legend but i don't think he's the right man for the job now if you're the tigres what do you do do you make a decision now do you believe tigres already has i believe they have looked for candidates right but do you make a move right now trying to i was going to say save the season Listen. they're not doing bad they're they're, they're still top four Listen, there, there's, there's always somebody on deck. Uh, the reports uh, about 10 days ago were Nino, Nino, excuse me, Nuno Espirito Santo, mm -hmm. uh, ex-Wolves uh, Portuguese coach, uh, is an option. I will tell you this. When I was in Santos, we didn't make the playoffs last game of the season against Morelia. Um, the next season, this was Benjamin Galindo, the coach. The next season, Pedro Caixinha was our coach, and he told us he was in the stands that game. There's always somebody on deck. So do not be As surprised you if be ready happens. for it. Uh, one, one moment especially caught the attention of many while watching the Tigres America match. Diego Lainez tried a long cross all the way to Julian Quinones, couldn't make proper contact. But look at the reaction by Andre Pierre Gignac. Yeah. Looks at Diego Lainez, and but Diego Lainez. Looks back and yells back at Andre Pierre Gignac. Yeah, told him to shut up, right? And just a little paraphrasing there, but he told yeah. him to shut up and, and keep playing. Not the first time we've seen Gignac take this attitude with players. This is Andre Pierre Gignac. Uh, commands a lot of respect. Very interesting response from Diego Linus. We also saw other footage of them hugging and, and embracing and, and more of a taking Diego Linus under his wing approach mm -hmm. from Andre Pierre Gignac. Yeah, I don't mind Gignac doing that. He's done that for years. I was surprised to see Diego Linus actually yapping back Andre Pierre That's Gignac, which is, which is a good thing. Not backing down. Yell back at the guy. Why? He showed personality. He showed character. If you give him time, if you start him consistently, he'll be an amazing player. Big props to Diego Linus. For not just how, uh, looking down and saying, how much uh, longer, Monsieur how much longer are we going to wait for Diego Linus? I'll give him a year. How much longer a year. does Diego Linus want 
for him to finally fulfill his potential because Diego Lainez, in his whole professional first-team career, when it comes to league goals, has scored six. Well, he's not a goal scorer. That, that's his main thing. Okay, what's his main thing? Assist? Because he's, he's had he's, seven assists he's, he's in league play. Team. He's part and, of the team. And it's only, and, by the way, and those goals are only in Liga Mekis and Portugal. So what are you saying? He's never not a good player? Goal. Is that what no, you're saying? what I'm telling you, he's not at the level to start talking that way to somebody Come who's on, what do you want me to do? What do you want the, the kid club. to do? Play. Apologize? What I want you to do is play because since you since you came onto the team and made two million dollars no, net, stop that. you've got zero goals, zero assists. Nah. You've only shot on goal nah. so three what? times. So what? Does that give Dignac you you the so right what? to yell at him? Yes. No, it doesn't. Kobe, no, it Michael, doesn't. all these no, different doesn't. players, you earn your respect if you yell on the field. At me, even though you've you earn been your a, respect a, a top on the player. Field. You, you know what it. I do to you? You earn it. You know what I do you to you? You earn your respect on the field. That's that simple. He's not earned the respect of anybody. Well, that was disrespectful. You're right. Respects a different no by Gignac. The way he tried to expose his own teammate, expose. and he clapped back. Goodbye, Linus. Goodbye, Linus. It's embarrassing. Uh, that's how you do it. That's how you step up to the bully. That's exactly what Andre <laughs> Gignac was doing. He was bullying poor guy Diego Linus. Ah, uh, Chivas. Oh, this is a paternity right mm, here. They lose in big game. Puebla, and they got encountered. Oh no! I mean, it's it is a good try, but good by, try, by Ferraris. Long distance, a deflection. Why is he trying but Watcho to catch Jimenez that? Why cannot put both hands on it. Why is he? He put both hands. Why is he trying to catch that? Well, that's what he's supposed to do. That one goes to the crossbar. Uh, it, it's hard for Chivas to play away at Puebla. This is actually a good save by Watcho Jimenez. Already in the second half, here's the cross, and the header goes to the crossbar. Chivas trying Danny again. Rios. Rios and Chivas lost. That's Diego de Buen celebrating the victory. 1-0 for Puebla. Puebla with back-to-back -back wins. They beat Pumas and now Chivas. And they have beat Chivas regularly. Six wins for Puebla. Only two for Chivas since the 2017-2018 season. And they have eliminated Chivas twice in repechaje. Uh, Did Bruiser take his headset off when you went to the No, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, I, I want his direction. Uh, a lot has been said about goalkeepers for both big yes. teams. America yes. and Chivas. Oscar Jimenez, yes. America already made the move. They did. They went to Malagón. Great goalkeeper. I thought it was the perfect move. But they had someone to go to. Okay. America had someone to go to. Does Chivas have someone to go to if, if they decide to bench no. Watcho Jimenez? Uh, Rangel is, I believe, 22 years old. He's never had first-team minutes. Um, are you asking me if they have somebody to go to or if they should go to somebody? Well, because those are two def very let's different Let's start things. from the beginning. Okay. Should they bench Wacho Jimenez? No. Let me ask you a question really quickly. Yes or no question. Has Wacho Jimenez, the goalkeeper for Chivas, been one of the two best players for them this season? No. <laughs> one, of the, one of the four, yes. One of the, the, who are the two best players? See, you even dropped stuff. Two best because <laughs> who are the two best players? Uh, Guzman, number one. One, we agree. By far. We agree. And I would say Sepulveda, the center back. The guy who, no. He's been great. No, he got, he got dunked on. No, he's been, all right. Watcho why Jimenez, you ask me a question first place? Wacho Jimenez, <laughs> Jimenez has been a fault for two goals this season. At least. One versus Querétaro and one versus Puebla, and they both cost his team points. That is a reality. One at home, they drop points. The other one, away at That's Puebla. That's a lie for the goalkeeper. Listen to this. He's been responsible, single-handedly responsible for keeping your team either in the game or winning them games. Monterrey, 
Monterrey was infinitely better the first game of the season. Oh, yeah. Wacho Jimenez was the hero. Yes. San Luis, the tie, the 0-0. San Luis you know was immensely better. Immensely better. Wacho Jimenez was the hero. Juarez, again, Wacho Jimenez. Pachuca, the tie, where, where I thought Chivas actually played very well. Wacho Jimenez again comes up big. Tijuana, do you remember Tijuana almost stealing that one towards the end? Again, Wacho Jimenez. Pumas, if not for Wacho Jimenez, they steal that. Your Sepulveda, who got dunked on, who got dunked on by the Neno in that game. Watch one Jimenez, again, another factor. The and the last one, the second half versus Tigres. When Chivas stopped playing and Tigres came to life, the difference, again, was Wacho Jimenez. He had two bad errors. Yes, bad errors cost his team, but he's been involved in so much more for his team to keep them alive and to actually give them points. Excuse me. So, I feel like if Chivas had someone like Malagón on the bench, you should probably go to him. But they don't. Rangel's still very young, unexperienced, uh, and he just doesn't bring any more, uh, any more experience, of course, than, than, than Huacho Jiménez. Now, I'll say this. Uh, the goalkeeper is not the biggest problem for Chivas right now. It's not it. No, they're it's not toothless. it. It's not it. Yeah. Right? Uh, they need someone to score more consistently. Alexis they don't is have back. that. Alexis Vega yes. is coming back. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to see where, in what, what part of the attack uh, Paunovic is gonna is gonna put him on because so far Chivas is looking good, but they can play better. They can be better. Now, I w I would not bench Watcher Jimenez right now, but I would start looking for a better goalkeeper for next season. Oh, he's in That's what I would do. And that's perfectly fine if you'd like to do that. But he's one of their better that's players. Now, uh, big game coming up. It's a, a, no a weekend of Los Clásicos. Also in Mexico, America and Chivas. Chivas, America will play the biggest game in Liga MX. Usually, we don't have a lot of players saying good stuff that will feed us during the week. Finally have it, courtesy of El Pocho Guzman. And, and already a response by an America player. Claro que va a sufrir, claro que, está, que va a sufrir de esta manera que están jugando los muchachos, como te lo dije y se los vuelvo a repetir, estoy tan orgulloso de, de cada uno de, de, de estos compañeros, no estamos buscando quién nos la hizo, sino ahora quién nos la va a pagar. Yo la verdad no, no me dedico a hablar de a eso, eh, ellos que, que empiecen a, a tirar a decir lo que ellos quieran, nosotros... Cada uno sabemos lo que, no, lo que nos jugamos, sabemos que es un clásico, eh, se entrena día a día, pero no nos gusta como, como estar hablando de eso, nosotros hablamos dentro de la cancha. I like it, I like it. Enough with this political correctness. Shots fired. Now, granted, those shots fired by Pocho Guzmán and Richard Sánchez? Yeah, the shots fired. They're both warranted. I can see what uh, Victor Guzman is trying to achieve. He's trying to motivate his players. I think that's a message for his team, for his players. Wasn't he attacking America? No, he wasn't attacking America. He was saying that they're going to be up for the game. They're not worried about what happened in the past. They're worried about what's going to happen in the future. Uh, if anything, besides his goal-scoring ability, his playmaking ability, if anything he's given this Chivas team that was sorely lacked now, and I think you'll agree with me, is that leadership. I agree. I think yeah. this is the leadership coming out of Victor Guzman. Richard Sanchez, I think right there, he's trying to poke the bear a bit. Because, yes, and that's totally fine. Shots fired at both sides, and I'm cool with it. Now, better form leading up to El Clásico, Chivas or America? It's Club America. One, it's simple. One comes off a loss against Puebla. And the other one's coming off a win against Tigres, who at that point were second in the league. It's simple math on that. 
standpoint, but also I've got less questions to ask of Club America. Honestly, Club America is the highest goal scoring team in the league, and Chivas is a team that gives up a lot of opportunities to the opponent. If you give up opportunities to Club America, like you've given up to the teams of the past, they're gonna rout you. It's not gonna be close. It's not gonna be pretty. It's gonna get ugly. This is what's gonna happen. So who should feel better about their performances coming into this game? It's Club America. Yeah, I think the, the, the biggest problem for Chivas losing that game against Puebla, they were running on such confidence that we hadn't seen in a while. Like a false confidence, you would say, right? Confidence overall. I mean, okay. it, it, it was confidence. Maybe false, but it was confidence. That was probably a reality check for Chivas. Yeah. And that was probably the reality check at the worst time possible because now they're having second thoughts. Are we that good? Or that's probably, we probably peaked too soon, right? We probably peaked after eight or nine weeks and they reach their ceiling. America can be so much better. We all had our doubts regarding center backs and doubts are still there. I don't think, I don't think they have that figured out, but I feel America getting closer to their top form, maybe Chivas already reached that. And it's now downhill after losing well, against the, Puebla. The funny I, thing I mean, here. that's the way I say, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that's the case, but maybe that's what's going on inside that Chivas locker room. The funny thing here is it's Club America's schedule that's going to get harder, more difficult, and it's mm -hmm. Chivas' schedule that's going to increase in difficulty. Before this Puebla game, if you included Puebla... It was Club America the only team that was actually like in a top eight position. The rest of the teams that they would have faced or will face going forward are all bottom of the table, mid-table down. They're, they're, they're looking for the requalification, that wild card, or they're in the last spots of the league. It's going to get easier for them. So they've lost supposedly. to Puebla. Supposedly, exactly. So they lost to Puebla, and now they face America. And then they're going to have Atlas after this. They need to somehow survive this three-game road stint or three-game stint if they are to make a good run in this league. I game. mean, for, to me, for Chivas, that's a, that's a make-or-break game against Club America because then you go to the international break. Right. Then you have two weeks. And if you lose to Puebla and if you lose to Club America and then you have two weeks to reflect on that, Alexis to reflect Vega on is that, back, that's a though. confidence record. Alexis Vega is back, though. Alexis Vega is back. Well, maybe he has to get back on form. He'll, he'll be healthy. But we don't know exactly what kind of form. How is he going to look like when he's back on the field? Um, this is the table so far. Half of the table in the Clausura 2023. Monterrey. My God, what a team. Another W now playing at Pachuca. They've been so good. Uh, Toluca, Tigres, Chivas, all with 21 points. And then America current champs Pachuca. Leon, my surprise team is looking so good. Santos got the win and Cruz Azul, the beat Pumas, is number nine. Let's run it back. Hurt, good news. Out of Sevilla, Tecatito Corona back on the bench. Did not play, but after everything that went down with his, with his ankle injury, half a year out, he's back for Sevilla and trust me, they need him. The last time we saw Tecatito, August 12th, 2022, 63 minutes versus Osasuna, 213 days ago. Uh, and he'll he'll be having action consistently now that the, he's back. Tlanepantlas, uh, Beckenbauer, Edson Alvarez. That's his second goal of the season, and it's a good one. Good strike outside of the box. Edson or Edison? Look at my man's making the most of uh, 
His time in the midfield has been playing center back these days. Well struck off that grass and too much force. Planet Pantlas Beckenbauer. He doesn't like that nickname. I just love it. Planet Pantlas Beckenbauer. But you know who's looking amazing? Your boy, Santiago Jimenez. That's what a number nine does. Finishing inside a box. With the right foot for the lefty. Listen to this. This First is touch. his 18th goal of the calendar year between Liga Mekis Cup, Europa League, and the Eredivisie. Our man is on fire. But what about this? This was credited as an assist after the own goal. But what? a good movement. What? Shielding the ball, creates a space. They do assist now? Yeah, of course. For that? Of course. And I have him in my fantasy league of uh, the Eredivisie. Yeah. He's my captain, actually, as of far. He's, he's been doing so good. That's ironic. So good. Feiner still leading the table in the Eredivisie. Three-point gap with Ajax and Asset Alkmaar. Bottom three, Excelsior's. Good on in-game, Ricardo oh. Pepe and Cambur. What a game on Sunday. There you go. Ajax will host Feyenoord starting at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 Pacific on ESPN Plus from the Johan Cruyff Arena. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Opening week. USL. Here we go. Totally redeem yourself. This is Birmingham playing Pittsburgh. Matvat Onkel loses control of an easy ball, but then after the oh. shot, redeems himself. Not easy. He's going the opposite end. Makes himself big. You got to put that away, big man. But the goalkeeper making up for that air. Yeah, Tola Shawunmi unable to convert that. But great effort. But Matt Van Onkel. All right, that was a 1-1 nice tie at too. Protective Stadium. Solid beard. Solido. Can't wait for him to be king. This is San Diego Loya playing Detroit City. Our new favorite player, Simba. With the score, 19-year-old Jackson Casanzu from Tanzania. Scores the game winner from San, for San Diego. Yeah, it's technically impeccable. It doesn't let it bounce, comes across it, doesn't try to swing too hard, makes the correct contact onto the ground, uses the turf, and it's a nice little goal for the 19-year-old. Uses the turf is correct. Simba. What a term. What a term. Simba with a score. Hands up, bro. This is Memphis playing Lowton United. Nanan Hosun shakes Laurent Kisirve. <laughs> Laurent decides to slap him. Laurent! Red card he, for Kisiru. Memphis he, lost. He just baited you. What? He baited you. He wanted you to do that. Oh, you no. You have to wait. Wait a little bit. Yeah. Maybe the next player, two, three plays down the line, and then you get him. Come on. You got to be smart. You got to be smart, man. Not baited. And then just, just gets the, five, the high five from the fan in the stands. That was great. Not in the face. San Antonio playing Oakland. Oakland's Memo Diaz scores, but while he takes a shot, hits Connor Maloney right in the face. 
Yeah, I'm Which a, and actually ends up scoring. I'm gonna be honest. I think. Oh no! I think he tries heading it. Yeah. And then it comes off. I his think face. he closed his eyes. Something, but he puts it in the upper V. It's a hell of a finish. Those uniforms are sick. Uh, my boys in Oakland are already sending them. Uh, I appreciate that. Where's mine? Uh, you gotta ask him. Get me one. <laughs> Start of the week. Mon Monterey Bay playing hard for oh, Athletic. No. Alex Dixon, first hat trick in the history of Monterey Bay. Also first hat trick in the career of Alex Dixon. Oh uh, no, my boy Richard Sanchez in goal for all three goals. Wait, is that a boy, Richard Sanchez? It is. Optional X, X, X U17 World Cup winner with Mexico. Yeah. Optional defending right there for Hartford Athletic. Tab Ramos, you were supposed to talk to us last week. I can see now why you did not want to. Where are you at, Tabare? Tabare Ramos. More USL action. El Paso Locomotive playing the Colorado Springs Switchbacks. This is on Wednesday, starting at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, right here on ESPN Plus. All right, Mal, we don't have the rights. What? Still? Not yet. No video. I'm sorry, we can't show it to you. That is bad news. Do you want to hear some good news? Good news. San Luis City, third comeback win. Some experts predicted they were going to have a horrible season on Football Americas. Wooden spoon, I guess one expert called it. <laughs> but uh, what about that? Vamos, mi San Luis. First MLS expansion team to win their first three games since 2009, that is the Seattle Sounders. Your this Seattle team, Sounders? Well, before I got uh, there, but this team has done it in back-to-back -back fashion, back-to-back-to-back -back fashion. The bad. Oh, coming back. Charlotte, start season with three losses. They have been outscored seven to one in three games this season. That's the same way they started last year, by the way. Yeah, but that was with Ramirez, not with Christian Latancio. And Latancio, you thought the team had turned around those and quotes by Ramirez, played better. By way. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I remember those. Uh, but his team only has one goal in three yeah. games. You think, especially with two home games, it would have been a different outcome. That crowd has been ridiculous. They need better play there. All right, the ugly. This is in the. Minnesota Red Bull New York game. The Allianz Field had a lot of snow, and Red Bull manager Gerhard Struber, Struber. Um, was not pleased, to say the least, with the way the snow was handled throughout the game. Now, I have the quote right here, Herc. Pay attention. I have absolutely no understanding. It's under 18, a youth team moment when I was so surprised when I got outside and I cannot see green. He's inferring grass, whatever the reason for that. But this is very, very unprofessional. I have a completely different expectation how they should play in this league on this level. Should get Hashtruba get lost. I mean, yes, because you're only saying this because you ended up losing. I'm sure if you won the game, it's probably an afterthought. You would have made a sly comment here and there, like we even beat this team in an ice rink, whatever you may want. And I wish we could show you the video footage, but we don't have rights. I don't know if I mentioned that. Uh, oh, they, they tied. They tied. It was oh, a draw, was, yeah. Oh, apologies, 1-1. One, one. But, but I've played in an actual snow-infested field, the Snow Classico a march for the U.S. Men's National Team against Costa Rica. And I know what it's like to actually not even see the lines, not even see the ball, how heavy the ball could be, trying to transport the ball from one section of the field to another. That didn't seem like the case when I was watching at home. 
It did look like the visibility in certain aspects of it, you could see snow, but it didn't look like ice. I don't think it affected the style of play. I don't think it affected the players or the overall product that much. So I'm going to say get lost, but yes, stadiums nowadays, especially one of my favorite stadiums like yeah. Allianz Field, should be capac capacitated where they have a heating system underneath or at least plows with people trying to supply it where you can have some sort of visibility. So I understand that. So he should get lost. If he doesn't like playing in snow, he should go and be a manager in Brazil, right? Go be a manager in Liga MX. That's going to happen. That's eventually going to happen. And you have to deal with it. Your players have to be ready for it. You have to be ready for it. And if the home team is not able to remove the snow to your standards... By the way, not the only standards that matter aren't the coaches, it's the referees. If the player's exactly. safety is not in danger... Well, if the referees deem that... Yes. Uh, the field is unplayable, they don't play. Exactly. And the referees do an inspection alongside Major League Soccer officials, and they made the call that the field was okay to play. So if you don't like the snow, go manage in Brazil. That's easy, easy as that, right? Come on, man. It's just some snow. All right. We have a new team for the NWSL. The Utah Royals, they will become the 13th team on the league. Okay, so they were the Royals, and then that franchise got moved to Kansas, right. and they're currently the current. Current. That's not going to be the case. Uh, David Blitzer and Utah Jazz owner Ryan Smith, uh, they bought the option to bring back the Royals, a very popular franchise, Plaza City, within the NWSL that should have never left. All right, are you cool with it? Here we go. This is the FIFA 23 NWSL Best 11. That's a tweet from the league. Now that's a squad. But are we are we missing someone, Herc? Yeah, so so obviously I look at the front line. I'm like, oh, okay, Alex yeah. Morgan should be there. You know, Golden Boot. Like, you know, Swanson, she's ridiculous right now, unplayable. Sophia Smith, et cetera, et cetera. But then I'm like, Naomi Girma, where... Where, where's she at? Uh, my, my girl, number one draft pick, rookie of the year, defender of the year, best 11, and she's not in this. Nowhere to be seen. Nope. No, 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 no. 11? Nope. Like, what are, we, what are we doing here? How are we factoring these scores? I'll check back home. FIFA, Once I get home, I'll check because I play FIFA every time I finished on Football Americas. I'll share my user ID with Football Americas fans. So you can so you can lose to me because I'm great. And I'll check, I'll check on the team and I can make some subs and I will. I'll take your recommendations and I'll make those back. Alright, we have one more run it back. Lindsay Horan. Fifth league goal. This is a great finish from the corner, off the corner, first touch, far post. Great finish by Lindsay Horn. Lindsay Horan, it's not an easy finish right here, Mel. Uh, look at no, the, not easy. It's coming across her body. She's got to do it in a way where she doesn't strike it coming onto her right foot, her plant foot. It's very ni nicely well taken. Now, big show on Thursday. Yes, we are going to have Christian Pulisic on a one-on-one interview, exclusive ESPN interview with Christian Pulisic. We're going to have that conversation with Graham Hunter on the show, I cannot give you more. Can I tell you something? But it's good. Can it's tell, so good. Can I tell you something? Yeah. I don't want you to share this with anybody else. Okay. I won't. I won't. But nothing is off limits in the conversation. God. I want... 
You know what I would ask Christian Pulisic if I had one question? What? Would you ever play for Club America? I want him to play for Club America. He'll be great at Club America. Is Seth back on Thursday on the show? Is Seth back on Thursday? He, he better be after that comment. <laughs> <laughs> Remember to download... Mickey Romano! Thank you, my man. I appreciate it. See you next Thursday right here on Football America.